Hoopball Podcast listeners. Are you a fantasy expert and want to write or podcast for Hoopball? Do you have aspirations of covering a team? Are you a master of sales and want to earn some cash on the phones? Well, we've got good news. Hoopball's recruiting. If you think you have what it takes, hit us up at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or by emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Again, that's at Hoopball Fantasy on Twitter or emailing teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. The following is a Hoopball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Yes, there is no time for rest as we run up towards the start of the NBA season. I don't know how many people are doing a Thanksgiving episode. I am fully aware that I'm a crazy person. But we only have 26 days until the season starts, and there are, I would venture to say, more than 26 days worth of content that we need to get out there into the world, especially as we're only uh, three days. We're only three days into our uh, our sweep around the NBA. We still have the entire Western Conference to do post-free agency we have Yahoo's ADPs to go over, which those are going to take a long time. That might be a whole week all by itself. Sometimes we'll even do a quickie on ESPN stuff. We're going to be getting into some mock drafts. And before you know it, your draft will be happening. So uh, no rest for the weary. We dive on in today. I'll try to talk a little faster than usual. I mean, I know it's not my MO to be a fast talker. But we'll try to get through this stuff a little quicker than usual. First thing, however, is that because this podcast is coming out, uh, I think, basically as the first game on Thanksgiving begins, I want to remind you guys of what my bookie has going on today and tomorrow, should you happen to listen to this show after the first game on Thanksgiving, but before anything happens on Friday. Well, we will have another show on Friday, but that show will actually begin after the odds boost stuff begins. We are going to be winning... Without any handicapping, without any sweating, anywhere from probably 100 to 450 to 500 dollars over the next two days, with my bookies promotions that they're putting out that occur, and there's actually more on Cyber Monday, but we haven't even gotten that far yet. Today, it's a risk-free wager on the Lions Texans game. I know I typed Titans on the Internet, but I don't care. That's again, that's how little it matters. That's how little you need to know about these wagers to get down on them. Open up a MyBookie account using promo code HOOPBALL. That part is really important because we want to make sure they know who sent you. It also unlocks a bunch of different deposit match bonuses if you want to use that stuff. That stuff you should use if you plan on gambling for a very long time because there's rollover requirements and things of that nature. You can turn down the promotional bucks... And still use the promo code, because that's really important. Again, mybookie.ag, promo code HOOPBALL. Today, you can bet up to $250 on Lions-Texans. And even if you lose, they will give you your bet back. If you win, it's just like any wager. Then there's no promotional anything involved. If you bet, I don't know, what is it? Is it Lions plus three? Is that what the line is right now? If you bet Texans minus three or Lions plus three and you win, you just win whatever you bet. Minus the VIG. 
So if you bet $250 and your bet hits, you win your $225, do whatever you want with it. You can cash it out that moment if you like. E-check takes a couple of days. Bitcoin takes a couple of minutes, I believe. If you lose, you get your $250 bet back. And it doesn't have to be a $250 bet. It's anything up to $250. So you could put in 100 bucks and bet 100 bucks on it. And if you lose, they'll give you your 100 bucks back. It's risk-free. It's Texans-Lions only, which starts like in a matter of seconds. That's why I wanted to do it at the beginning of the podcast. And then the beauty part is, I mean, in addition to the fact that it's a free bet, that's a beauty part. And the second beauty part is that tomorrow, Friday, there are odds boost wagers every hour from 7 a.m. Pacific through 8.30 p.m. Pacific. So 13 and a half hours, they give out a different odds boost bet every hour on the hour. So we have to check in every hour on my bookie. That's important. I'll be live tweeting it. I'll guide everyone through it. It's a promotional wager they put up every hour. We log in. We bet it. We basically almost always win it. These here hitting it like a 90% clip, and there's no strings attached to them. It's free cash. Okay? So you're with me up to that part. Here's Here's that second beauty part I was talking about. If we lose... Our Turkey Day risk-free bet. Say you bet 250 bucks on it, or say you bet 100 bucks on it. Maybe you don't want to do 250 bucks. Put it. You put 100 dollars on the game today, Thanksgiving. You lose. They give you that 100 dollars back. There is a one-time rollover, meaning you can't just take that 100 dollars and immediately cash it out. You have to bet 100 bucks, not all in one wager, just in total, before you can make a withdrawal on your risk-free returned money. That's not the case if you win it. If you win your bet today on Turkey Day, you can do whatever you want with it. It's just straight cash. If you lose it, the promo bucks they give you back is only 1x rollover. This is why this is so fantastic. Because tomorrow, on Friday, we'll be betting more than that. More than $100 spread out across 13 bets during the day. It'll probably be somewhere in the 150 to 250 range. So you can knock out your whole rollover even if you lose your risk-free bet today. So if you lose it, you'll knock out your rollover tomorrow, and then you can cash out, or keep it in until Monday when there's another special coming up at MyBookie for Cyber Monday. We're going to be doing all of this stuff together, so I hope that you will stick with me on this, and I'm going to guide you through it on the podcast tomorrow, uh, on Twitter, all during the day tomorrow. Today is a quick one. You just you log in, you bet on either Either team on the spread. That's it. It's the only wager that counts. You can only do it one time. So you either take Texans minus three or Lions plus three, and that's the end of it. By the way, the Lions at plus three now have a better, a lower VIG. So if you were trying to win more on your 250, that one's like 250 to win 240. Texans is 250 to win like 220 or something like that. I don't know. Doesn't really matter. Uh, It's a field goal spread. It's not going anywhere. It takes a lot to move a number off of three. So get down on that this second. I hope you paused the podcast to do it. And if it already started, screw it. Doesn't matter. We'll do all the odds boost stuff tomorrow. That'll be fun anyway. MyBookie.ag, promo code HOOPBALL. Also of note here at the beginning of the show, the Brewski 150 should be coming out later today. We don't have an exact uh, we don't have an exact time, but it'll be later on Thanksgiving. It'll be sort of like a Thanksgiving treat from Aaron Brewski. 
The Brewski 150 available to Hoopball 360 subscribers. That's a $12.99 a month package that has everything at Hoopball. Uh, it has the full season fantasy tools, the draft guide, the Brewski 150, DFS, and wagering all rolled into it. The B150, it's the only package that gets it this week. Everything else gets the Brewski 150 next week or the week after that, depending on which thing you're looking at. So go to hoop-ball.com, check out the different advertisements on the homepage there. You can see which thing you like. But if you want to get into the B150, if you have a draft this weekend or something like that, that the, the HoopBall 360 is the package that gets you the B150 today. Okay, I think that's all of our promo for today. I wanted to knock it out at the beginning of the show so we could just talk fantasy for a little bit and then get on our merry way. I think I told you I'm Dan Bespris. You can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or just Google search Dan from HoopBall. I see many of you are new listeners and new followers, and that is fantastic. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the, the Twitter feed. We do a lot of business in fantasy over the course of the year between this show and on social media. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoy it. And... Um, Feel free to hit me up with any questions, things like that. More than happy to talk about it. I, I love the fact that we're back into a time of the year where fantasy basketball matters again. We went eight damn months. Yeah, I know there was the bubble, but no one was really playing the bubble, right? Nobody was really paying attention to that crap. Nobody's playing the bubble. Nobody was playing playoff leagues. It was all... We were, we were deluding ourselves into thinking that it's somehow that like it ma- I tried to make it matter. I made a, a list. I made a damn ranking list for the bubble. But it didn't matter. This is real. This is what everybody's waiting for. A full season minus 10 games. We'll have champions crowned at the end of the year in fantasy. It's a weird year when there's an actual NBA champion but not a fantasy champion. And last year we tried a lot of things to try to figure it out, but you know, ultimately it just you know, we didn't finish the season. It wasn't there. We didn't have that that satisfaction. And as a commissioner of a lot of leagues, I'd make a lot of very difficult decisions. By the way, we do still have hoopball leagues open if you guys want to jump into those. So uh, join other hoopball readers, listeners, and pros. You can hit me up, bug me about that, at Dan Bespris on Twitter, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. I'll get you set up with my buddy Andre. He is handling league placement. So anyway, that's what's going on right now. We finished up the Eastern Conference Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of this week. This is our post-free agency spin, uh, I don't know, spin cycle? Whatever the hell, doesn't matter what you call it. In no huge, in no particular order, other than really I'm just working off of the hoop ball depth charts, which are available in the draft guide. Solomon's done a wonderful job with that stuff. It just keeps everybody straight. It keeps everybody straight. There's 900 things that happened last week, and it's pretty easy to forget which direction they all went. So let's jump in with the Southwest Division as we just sort of sweep across the United States. We handled Southeast on yesterday's show, Central Division on Tuesday, Atlantic on Monday. So if you're going back and trying to figure out when we talked about a team you're curious about, that would be the schedule on that. So... Southwest Division, in alphabetical order, because, you know, why the hell not? The Dallas Mavericks. Seth Curry out, and Josh Richardson in, and otherwise, they're basically the same team. I would say the most important thing that Dallas, around surrounding Dallas at this exact moment, is that Kristaps Porzingis is out to start the year. They are targeting, we're told, 
early January. Yeah, and I'm targeting becoming a six-footer at some point. I'm 5'9", by the way. It ain't happening. And I'm 37, so I'm only getting smaller from here. (laughs) Kristaps Porzingis played in 51 pre-bubble games last year. He tore his meniscus, or needed meniscus surgery. I guess we don't know the exact uh, diagnosis on what led to his surgery uh, last month or a couple months ago. But he ain't ready to start the year. He's a slow healer, and he's always out. In a 72-game season, that is a tough pill to swallow. Of course, it's worth pointing out that Porzingis was a first-round pick when he was healthy this most recent season. As he kind of got ramped up to game speed, he was a top-10 guy in nine-category leagues. I mean, he was he was flat-out brilliant towards the end of the year. His last 10 games, he averaged 26-10 and 10 with three combined defensive stats, two-and-a-half three-pointers, high volume, 88% at the free-throw line. Really, the only thing he wasn't doing was shooting the ball particularly well from the field at around 44%. But you can swallow that with all the other stuff going on. He was playing like 36 minutes a game over that stretch. It was, it was juicy. But at the same time, we know he's going to miss at least five, six, seven games at the front end of the season. So your 72 now becomes 65. He will, I would venture to guess, sit out every single back-to-back. And I haven't looked, you know, I think we have, do we have the first half? I think we have the first half of team schedules right now. We're not going to get the second half until February or March. So I don't know exactly how many back-to-backs these teams are going to have, but they're trying to jam a schedule in 72 games in sort of the normal pace, if even perhaps a tiny bit quicker. So, I mean, probably eight, nine 10 back-to-backs, now you're down to 55 games. 56, 57 at the absolute most. Do we think he actually stays healthy all of those games? I doubt it. 53, 52? Is that what we're talking about here? A guy that you're going you're gonna to draft knowing he's going to miss probably 20 of 72 games? It does, like everything in fantasy, depend on ADP. But this is still Kristaps Porzingis, and while I think you're seeing in some pro drafts, some sort of early industry mocks, he's actually going you know, relatively late, I don't think that's going to hold when you get into the normal draft process, the ADP of things. Yahoo's got him pre-ranked in the 30s, which is going to steer his number probably into the 30s. That's the way it works. These big websites, when they set their markers, when they plant their flags on guys, people just draft them near where the big sites put them. That's just how it works. There'll be minor fluctuations. And as the market moves, you'll see the big sites react to it. And then the ADPs will start to change. But Porzingis is going, you know, end of third, early fourth round right now. You know, as good as he might be, and by the way, I don't think he's going to be a top 10 guy when he's playing this year because they're they're going to have to go easy on him a little bit if he maybe gets healthy by the midpoint again and maybe he closes the year strong with the missed game factor sort of rolled in there. But kind of looking back at this most recent season, take, let's try to compare it to someone else that was very, very good but missed a bunch of ball games, and and then you'll kind of have your totals versus per game comparison. Um, How about John Collins, 
who played 41 games this year. I mean, Porzingis himself is not a terrible example. He played 51, but I actually think he's going to be at a lower percentage this coming year, starting the season hurt. At least last year, they had basically just sat him for a season so he could get mostly healthy. John Collins played 41 of Atlanta's, I think it was 63, doesn't matter, 62 to 64, someone in that neck of the woods game. So he played about two-thirds of them, and I think that's roughly what we're expecting out of Porzingis, somewhere in the 65 to 75% of his team's games this year. John Collins was number seven by uh, averages, and by totals, wait for it, 42. And that's kind of a best-case scenario for Porzingis, is to be really, really good during the time he's on the floor. What if you take a slightly worse example? Someone who was putting up numbers like that, but maybe was, you know, more like a second-round pick. How about Joel Embiid, who played 44 of Philly's, I think it was 65 games during the regular season, so he missed 21. Not that far off, perhaps, from you know what we're, we're looking for out of Persingas. Embiid was number 15 by averages, and Embiid was number 55 by totals. That's probably your target zone for Porzingis this year. If he's falling into the sixth round, because right, Embiid there puts him in the sort of middle, middle back end of the fifth round, so you want to draft him later than that. Not Embiid, I'm talking about Porzingis right now. I'm just giving an example of someone that did this most recent season what we're probably expecting KP to do this coming year. You want some value on him, meaning if he's falling into the 60s, 70s, anything like that, yeah, you consider it. But if he's really going in the 30s, woof, it is damn hard to miss 30% of your team's games and end up inside the top 30. There just aren't that many guys like that. How many dudes? I mean, John Collins was was basically the close to, closest example we could find. Missing that many games and somehow staying third round relevant, more or less. So that's a big deal for Dallas because, you know, I don't think Dwight Powell is going to be fully ready to go to start the year, which means they're going to be mixing and matching a bit at the center position. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein is back, I believe, Maxi Kleba ended up playing pretty well towards the end of last year. But, you know, even then, it it wasn't like he was cleaning up. It's not, he's, <sighs> Kleba was like top 200 over that stretch near the end of the year. Now, admittedly, Porzingis was playing in some of those ball games, but there's no guarantee that Kleba's a top 100 guy, even if he's kind of the only remaining center. Willie Cauley-Stein's going to play some, Boban's going to play some, they always, Dallas is all about mixing and matching. We saw it at the guard position last year. I'm actually more interested, instead of trying to capitalize on how much Porzingis is going to miss, I'd rather look at the Seth Curry-Josh Richardson swap. Because Dallas also unloaded DeLon Wright. He's in Detroit now. We already talked about how he's probably going to have a pretty good year. The backcourt thinned. There's no way around it. DeLon Wright, Seth Curry gone, Josh Richardson in. Josh Richardson can also play small forward if they need him to. I mean, traditionally he's more of a shooting guard type, but between he and Tim Hardaway, someone's probably going to have to slide up a little bit. With Porzingis out, both Hardaway and Richardson are going to get a bunch of shots. When KP comes back, that's going to slice 
into their fantasy value. But I don't care, because Josh Richardson was pretty bad last year, and it makes me think that he's not going to get drafted all that early this season. My guess would be probably around the edge of the top 100. If I had to try to put a finger on it. Richardson wasn't himself last season. He wasn't. I mean, he never really got healthy. He was sitting near the top 150, just not playing a ton of minutes, not getting many shots. He didn't. He wasn't right. He was never right last year. The whole thing was a down injury season. And he was a fourth option in Philadelphia. Behind Embiid, behind Harris, behind Ben Simmons. He was the fourth option. There's no arguing it. He was almost the fifth option. He took .1 more shots per game than Al Horford. In Dallas, it's not that he moves way up the pecking order, because Luka's always number one. KP, when he's playing, is a big number two, which is kind of like the Embiid-Tobias Harris thing. But then, you know, I'd rather be in a competition with Tim Hardaway Jr. for touches than Ben Simmons, because Simmons has the ball to start possessions, and Hardaway doesn't. Most of his looks were coming off of stuff generated by Luka and KP, which can now go to Richardson as well. And there's just minutes, you know? There's minutes available. DeLon Wright played 21 minutes a game last year. Seth Curry played 28. Those guys being out, and I don't know, you know, J.J. Barea will play a smattering of minutes, but he's basically a coach at this point. Uh, Richardson's going to be able to soak up, if he wants, probably 30-plus. So it's not that I'm going to be reaching for him, but if he's going to go near 100, maybe I'll grab him two, three slots earlier and just kind of make sure I get him, because he's going to have a pretty good year, I think. Of course, the problem with Richardson is that I don't know that his defensive stats are ever coming all the way back. And that's something that we counted on, knowing full well that his usage was going to plummet into oblivion in Philadelphia last year, going from 14 shots a game in Miami to 11 and change. I think he can probably keep that, you know, dozen shots a game going this year. I think you probably see the three-pointers trend back up a little bit. He actually played okay during the playoffs for Philly, and I know Simmons was out. Um, The steals and blocks, tough to say, you know. Is he now that guy that only gets one steal a game? Can he go back to being the guy earlier in his career that was getting one and a half? I wouldn't, I wouldn't bank on it. But there's a possibility, which creates a little bit of upside, a little bit of wiggle room on that defensive side to, to create something for him. He's going to hit threes. He's a good foul shooter. Doesn't get there all that often, but, you know, decent enough. Uh, and he's, he should have an okay bounce back season. I, I think he's the more interesting Dallas Maverick as opposed to trying to squeeze something out of a center position. By the way, Another note on Dallas, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith played a ton of minutes at small forward last year. Uh, this is, again, why you're looking at it like, oh, so Josh Richardson, yeah, the path is pretty clear for him to get playing time. Shuffle along. Houston Rockets, they've had a busy offseason. Rob Covington traded to Portland. Trevor Ariza in and then out again. Jeff Green elsewhere. Austin Rivers elsewhere. James Harden, Russell Westbrook, both on the trade block, signed Christian Wood and Boogie so far this offseason. So the, you know, what the team is going to look like in two weeks, I really don't know. I will say, though, bringing in Boogie and Christian Wood is a pretty good effort to keep at least one of their superstars from leaving. 
Harden is certainly the easier player to trade because, well, he's you know one of the top two probably offensive players in the entire NBA. Russell Westbrook, you know, his limitations are a bit more obvious. But I don't know. Maybe they go into the season with both of them. Who knows? Maybe bringing in a couple of fresh bodies was enough to kind of get everybody back on the the same page. Uh, James Harden, you know, if he's still with this same Rockets team and he hasn't been traded, then he's still the number one guy, although that cloud is hanging over him. Westbrook, we saw, looked better last year. His value goes up most places he ends up because he's probably not going to end up with someone who has the ball in their hands as much as James Harden does. You just have to assume that would be the case. If he goes somewhere else, it's not guaranteed, but probably 85-90% of the time, it will be an improvement for him. There are a couple spots where it wouldn't be, but I don't think those teams I don't think those teams can get him or want to. One thing with the Rockets team now is that, you know, this last year there were two very clear guys, Harden and Westbrook. And so there was this constant struggle for fantasy players to figure out if any of the other guys on the floor could sustain value. And Covington became that guy when they traded for him midseason because his game was built around threes, steals, and blocks. And he can do that alongside Harden and Westbrook. With P.J. Tucker, you needed rebounds, you needed steals, you needed some threes. It wasn't really happening consistently. Daniel House was kind of in and out of having value. This year... I think this team is a little bit easier to handicap outside of the center position. I'm not touching the Rockets' role players at all. Because now there are two guys in Wood and Boogie that are very clearly going to be fighting for that third guy to chuck it towards the rim mantle. Christian Wood, very aggressive. Boogie, very aggressive. When those guys touch the basketball, they're going to huck it. It's going up. Something's happening. Or, you know, I guess it could go back to Russ or Harden. But it's not like with Covington and Tucker and House where they're like, I'm just going to wait until these guys get me open and then it's my turn. I mean, Eric Gordon is another guy who will chuck it, who should not chuck it as much as he does. That dude's way overpaid. But regardless, point is, you don't need to worry about those role players now because they're not going to be close to fantasy value this year. Unless someone gets traded. Obviously, we can amend this statement. What about the center position? Well, I think the Rockets do have an opportunity to play Christian Wood at the four. It seems weird that they would give him that much money and then put him in a timeshare with Boogie at the center spot. It also seems weird that they that uh, Boogie would come in being told he is strictly a backup center. I don't think that's the case either. We don't have any word on this, but you, again, it's all about reading the tea leaves. With Christian Wood, you're reading the contract. It's a three-year deal for $42 million. They are investing in him. They want to grow with him, and they want to use him. With Boogie, this is a guy who wants to prove he's still a viable NBA center with lots of skills. He wants to go to a place that's going to put him on the floor. That's his best path to getting another decent-sized NBA contract is to go to a place, put up some numbers, do it while being healthy, and then look for a two- or three-year deal. 
So I don't think Boogie's going to Houston with them like, yeah, you know, we'll give you like, you know, 18, 19 minutes off the bench. No way. I have to think, and I don't know that promises were made, a wink, wink, nod, nod thing. Yeah, Boogie, we'll give you 24, 25 minutes a game to, you know, reprove yourself. And if you're good, we'll, we'll keep you out there. If you're helping the team, if you're not, you know, we'll, we'll dial you back a little bit. But at least you can show people that you're healthy. So with that in mind, you know, I think you see the Rockets go back to a little bit more of a traditional lineup and maybe sometimes even a giant lineup where P.J. Tucker might, you know, maybe he is your starting power forward. Maybe Boogie is coming off the bench. But you could see this as a situation where, you know, P.J. comes out after six minutes, Boogie comes in, you know, gets seven, eight minutes there. Uh... With or maybe Wood comes out. I don't know. But depending on how this thing goes, you put him in a kind of a three-man wheel there at the power forward and center spot where Boogie obviously can only play center. Wood and Tucker can kind of play both. Not that they want to put P.J. at center again, but we've seen it before. So if those three guys are getting all of the power forward and center minutes, it's pretty easy to see a path where you're talking about 96 minutes split between three guys, that would be 32 if they split them evenly. I don't think Boogie gets up to 32 minutes a game. I think Wood and Tucker very well could. So dial Boogie down to, what, 26 minutes a game? Slide someone like Daniel House up to play a couple of minutes at power forward? That chews up the other six, seven minutes we were wondering about there. Put him at... I don't know. Let, let's call it uh, 32 for Wood, 32 for Tucker, 26 for Boogie, 6 for Daniel House. That's your power forward and center rotation in Houston this year. Very reasonable. I think they have a power forward named Kenny Wooten, who I know nothing about. Um, but basically no one else on the roster can play those positions. So th- there's plenty of minutes for them. Wood is going to be dramatically overdrafted, which is fine. I mean, he's going to have a good fantasy year, but... Of course, the problem is now that he's got his starting gig and everybody's been sitting on and waiting for him, he's probably going to go in the 40s, if I had to guess. His, 80, his early ADP is in the fifth round. I bet that moves up by a round between now and opening day. And I don't know that it's going to be... Like, I, I think it's already happened. I think it just gets reflected in the ADP between now and opening day. The guy that I would look at on the Houston Rockets, I mean, obviously you're looking at Harden. If you have a very early pick, Westbrook is a hard pill to swallow in nine category leagues, eight cat. He should have a pretty good year, I think, with with rest days mixed in. To me, there's a a very reasonable case to be made to grab Boogie. Why not? It's a bad injury, obviously, but and he'll definitely have rest days, and he's not going to get a ton of minutes right out of the chute. That would be a terrible idea. But we have seen before that he can very easily, easily put up fantasy value in 24 minutes a game. Easily. I mean, look at some of the things. Look at the, the handful of games he played in Golden State before he got hurt in the playoffs. He was averaging 26 minutes a game with the Warriors and was at 16, 8, and almost 4. With And throughout his career, he's always had more than a steal and more than a block per game. The only thing he's really not been good at is free throw percent. And, you know, frankly, you can swallow that down. You can swallow that down. So, hell yeah, give me Boogie. As, I mean, look at those numbers, 2018, 2019 with the Warriors. Just go back and look at the rankings during those games he was actually playing. Uh, 
He was a top 40 guy. Do I think he's going to be a top 40 guy for the year? I do not. I do not. But he has a lot to prove, and I'd be floored if he didn't hit 24 minutes a game with Houston this year. I don't, however, have the first foggy bleeping clue where he's going to get drafted. I've got to think it's relatively late. Ain't nobody paying attention to the dude coming off of repeated surgeries. I would seriously take him, I would consider taking him in the ninth round. For real. There's some other guys in there that, you know, you could make an argument. What is the ninth round puts you at uh, end of the eighth round is 96. So between 97 and 108. Hell yeah, absolutely. The other guys going, by the way, in that range are um, guys like Duncan Robinson, Serge Ibaka, Bogdan Bogdanovich right now. Oddly, Michael Porter Jr. going pretty late. That surprised me. I think he'll move forward. Larry Nance is a guy I might take over Boogie, but not too many other guys once you hit the 100 mark that have that same level of upside. Just a handful. Really, just a handful. We're talking nine cat right now. Larry Nance, I think, has that upside once you get past you know an ADP of 96. Um, man, alive. If you go a little bit earlier, you you move into other centers like Al Horford and Thomas Bryant. But to me, those guys will those guys I think will probably go a little bit earlier. Once you get past pick one hundred, the number of players that you're like, oh yeah, this guy could be a you know top fifty, top sixty guy, handful. You can count them on one, maybe two hands. So yeah, I haven't talked about it much on this podcast, but I actually think he could have a pretty good year if he's healthy. Easier, easier grab to make in a Roto League with a games cap, to be, to be completely fair. I said I was going to talk faster today, and I'm definitely not doing so. Uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, minimal changes there. So at least that's easy. Still love me some Jonas Valanciunas. I do not love me some Jaron Jackson Jr. because we've been told he's hurt to start the year, which means I do now love me some Brandon Clark even more. Where the hell's Brandon Clark going? There's your good question for the day. What's his early ADP look like? <laughs> Probably not early enough. Let's see. Where are you, Brandon? And again, these can these things can change. There he is. He's going in that same window. Jeez, there's some good options in that right now. Nothing moves on that front. So Brandon Clark, um I mean, I don't I don't know why you'd I pfft, this I don't understand, man. ADPs are so weird. Interested to see how some of these numbers shift over the next week or two, but I'm starting to think that this is going to be one of those years where buzz takes over way too much. I mean, what what are we talking about here? Brandon Clark was number 79 in 9-cat last year in 22 minutes a game. If that goes up to 24 or 25 this year, he can leapfrog into the top 60-65 conversation. Don't know why he's going so late. So I love me some Brandon Clark. I love me some Jonas Valanciunas, who's certainly going to go earlier than Clark, but generally not early enough. Dude, JV was number 47 last year. He was great, and he was healthy. And his early ADP is 75. What's happening? Am I going to take a risk on Ja? Probably not. Memphis did a smart thing by bringing back DeAnthony Melton, although he showed he didn't really have the offensive aggression last year to get over that hurdle. You could make a you could you could go for him in the last round. I'd be okay with that. 
not a guy I'm targeting, even though I do love his fantasy game, just because I haven't seen him take that step forward to to asserting himself on offense. But defensively, he's brilliant. He's going to rack up steals. But assert yourself, DeAnthony. Team invested in you. Go assert yourself. New Orleans, yeah, some changes some changes here to be sure. Uh, Steven Adams now is the starting center. He's got that position locked down. You can pretty much uh, pencil him in for whatever he did last year with uh, New, uh, excuse me, with Oklahoma City. So that's an easy one. Steven Adams, easy one. Last year he was number 84, averaged 11 and 9 with a steal and a block. Probably goes better than that on a high-octane New Orleans team. But, you know, safe. That's a safe top 90 grab. Safe. Could be better if he could hit a free throw, but that's where you're at with that one. Zion, almost definitely going to get overdrafted uh, because he's Zion. And considering how how really poor he was last year, the fact that he's he's still going pretty dang early speaks to the name power. I mean, he's getting drafted at the end of the second round. The second turn, if you want to call it that. That's way too rich for my blood on that front. Brandon Ingram's going to go too early. Yes, took a giant step forward, but... Uh, no, the usage just wasn't really there when Zion came back. Drew Holiday being out does create a little bit more for Ingram, so I think that that helps boost him back towards where he was. But he's another guy who... Uh, where's Brandon Ingram going now in the early stuff? Has he slid? Oh, interesting. So he was going in the 30s in uh, some of the, the way-too-early mocks. It looks like he slid now into the 50s. That's actually not a terrible idea. So amend my statement on Brandon Ingram. I thought he was going to be going in the 30s, which wipes out his value. If he's really going in the 50s, absolutely, you can take a look at him there. I got no problem with that whatsoever. Certainly not my favorite uh, grab on the team. Um, I like Lonzo Ball. He's going in the 50s. I think that's a. Uh, I think he could actually still have some value above that. He was number 70 on the year, and he was far better than that towards the end of the season when they got him in there with Zion, and he's going to have a great time now with Eric Bledsoe as the other guard, who's not going to be as ball-dominant as Drew Holiday was, so there's a little bit more for all of these guys. Still, I actually like Eric Bledsoe this year. I don't know if he ends up getting moved, but his ADP is way down the board, and he's going to be pretty solid. I don't know where the hell he's going. Is he getting drafted at all in leagues right now? Let's figure out where the heck Eric Bledsoe's going. What do we think, guys? 80s? I bet he goes in the 80s. Oh, boy. He's at 67? Is that possible? Well, that would be upsetting. I don't think that sticks. I don't think that sticks. That would surprise me. I think that's one that's going to fall. But, I mean, if it does stick, then, you know, I'm wrong. If that sticks, then he doesn't have the value that I thought he was going to have. But I bet that falls, and I bet he becomes a, an old man squad type of guy. So um, with New Orleans, Steven Adams, a very safe pick. Brandon Ingram, Eric Bledsoe will keep a close watch on their ADPs. Zion, he's going to get drafted too early for my taste. And then Lonzo Ball, uh, I think, should have more buzz around him right now. I, this, this could be a really big year for that kid. And finally, the San Antonio Spurs, who still might be moving people. So far, they haven't. We know DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge are both on the block, which, that's a damn shame, because those guys are prime old man squad types. Of course, the only issue is, no matter where they go, 
they're probably not going to have the authority and the role they had in San Antonio. So if you're drafting those guys, and there's a very, I mean, there's a real chance that I do, you have to know that if something happens with them, it'll be a bad thing. So again, like always, it's going to come down to where they're getting drafted. Right now, LaMarcus Aldridge, early ADP is 48 which, I mean, he, he trounced that last year. He was number 25 on a per-game basis. Did miss a few games late in the year, but obliterated his ADP with another very good season. DeMar DeRozan was number 43 on a per-game basis last year. He's getting drafted in the early 50s this year. I mean, they're very easy picks to make, but they don't have the safe tag like they have in seasons past. Because, you know, what if, what if LaMarcus Aldridge gets traded to... I don't. I honestly don't know who puts the pieces together. But let's just make up a team. Like, what if he goes to Portland? He's not going to get as many shots on a on a Blazers team as he does in San Antonio. That's not going to happen. Uh, what about DeMar DeRozan? We, we heard he was linked to the Lakers earlier in the offseason. That's probably not going to happen. But where is he going to go where he gets 16 shots and 7 free throws a game? Without usage, things go down. Aldridge rebounds less every year as he gets a little bit older. You know they're trying to move these guys because they just gave Jakob Pertl a nice long contract. By the way, if they do, Pertl's a pretty interesting handcuff. If you want to throw him into the bucket, he starts to play 24, 25 minutes, he becomes an easy top 100 guy uh, or better. But it is a dangerous team to draft Pertl because he could get stuck behind Aldridge for half the year or either of the old guys because they could get moved to the All-Star break and lose two, three, four rounds of value. In head-to-head, that's a really tough pill to swallow. In Roto, you know, the fact that they're going to likely beat their ADP while they're still in San Antonio makes it a little easier. Uh, And I'm going to be tempted because these have kind of always been my types of guys. But certainly as, you know, good percentages, like these are good percentages, decent defensive stats guy. They're they're trademark Dan Bespris old old man squad dudes. But sometimes you just have to you just have to write a guy off. And like if Aldridge really is gonna go in the forties, I probably have to skip him this year. If he drops another round, like let's say these early ADPs are off by a little bit. Let's say Aldridge is actually going closer to sixty than forty five fifty. I'll take him at sixty. I think even if he gets traded, he'll probably be better than a top sixty guy. And let's say DeMar you know, let's say he gets drafted in the 60s or 70s. Yeah, I mean, you probably have to consider it, even though his path to value isn't quite as easy as Aldridge with the blocks and rebounds. But if they stick where they are right now, if their ADPs really are late 40s and early 50s for LMA and DeMar, respectively, it's I'd probably pass. Much as I love that old man squad stuff, probably pass. The other guys going near Aldridge in the late 40s, Zach Levine, Mitchell Robinson, Nurk, D'Angelo Russell. I think you just go with someone who you know is not getting traded. I've already talked about how much I like the centers in New York. I like them a lot. What I would do, however, with San Antonio is keep a very close watch on what's going on with DeJounte Murray and Derek White. Derek White seemed to show in the bubble that he can shoot now. Probably always could. He was very, very good in their bubble games. Derek White was a top 30 guy 
over the final 10 games of his season, which was mostly in the bubble and then a couple at the end of the regular season. DeJounte Murray was oddly at number 132, but he was in a cold shooting spell where he was shooting 37%, so sort of, you know, the magic of small sample size. With White, medium volume, good free throw shooter, that is very stickable. He only shot 46.5% from the field over that stretch, but he's your rare shooting guard that really could get you a block a game. He could be a 2-1-1 one, one guy. He's going to get some opportunity to score. Not going to rebound all that much, but they don't have a, a big rebounder on this team anymore, so the guards and, and wings get to grab a few, and then he'll get a handful of assists because he's a guard. That's just how that works. If you pass and you're a guard, you'll get a couple of assists. I think Derek White could end up being uh, a brilliant fantasy grab this year. I think he finally sees the bump in minutes. Remember, we spent almost all of last year yelling at Greg Popovich to just stop playing mother bleeping Bryn Forbes for 25 minutes a game and let Derek White try to shoot the three ball. And then, lo and behold, he was hitting two and a half a game in the bubble. Like you could just do it the whole time. Maybe, maybe, I'm willing to give the Spurs a benefit of the doubt because they, they've earned it over the last 25 years. Maybe Derek White spent the entire COVID shutdown between March and July just shooting three-pointers, but I'm willing to guess that he was okay at him even beforehand and just maybe wasn't quite willing to pull the trigger. He's going later than Murray. I think that's worth noting. DeJounte Murray has a little bit more name recognition because he was the starting point guard for that team. He's going around 80, which, by the way, still think he beats that mark. In fact, I think he could beat that mark with his eyes closed. And if anybody gets traded, he annihilates that mark. And Derek White, who's going uh, more in that, what did I call it? I call it the boogie range, <laughs> the, uh, the ninth round types. I would actually move early on a couple of those Spurs young guards. They are really intriguing on the fantasy side. They both have really interesting fantasy games. I know Murray's not going to hit you any threes, but if he's fully healthy and he's playing 30 minutes a game this coming year, he could get up near two steals a night. He'll get you that those rebounds, assists, steals, percentages, odd grouping of stats, but it also makes it really easy for him to get fantasy value because his value isn't tied up in scoring. If he gets you 12 points a game, he's probably going to do it on close to 50% shooting. Get your three-pointers somewhere else. Get him from his teammate. Want to mention to you guys one more time, tomorrow, Black Friday deal at manscaped.com. 25% off and free shipping on everything over there. Also, use promo code HOOPBALL20 when you're checking out. I think you can knock off a couple more dollars, if I'm not mistaken. Waterproof, pinch-free, great stuff. Black Friday at manscaped.com. That's the end of your Thanksgiving show. Uh, good luck, everyone. Hope you guys enjoy risk-free turkey day. If we can get down on it, this show is going to air about two minutes before that game kicks off because I talked too freaking long. Uh, but have a wonderful Thanksgiving, everybody. Please, please, please do it safely. This is a, uh, a scary year that we're in right now. I know it's hard. Do your best. We're all going to get through this. Let's make some money today and tomorrow. Uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Please do so if you haven't already, because I'm going to be walking you through all of the odds boost stuff tomorrow over at mybookie.ag. Promo code HoopBall. Talk to you guys tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.